All right. Well, good early afternoon. It's great to see all of you, and welcome to everybody that's watching by the live stream. Today, we are going to be continuing with our series, The Breath of Life. This is the second part of the series. If you did not hear the message last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Last week's message will be the springboard for this week and for next week, so it's important that you go back and listen to that message. Last week, I talked about Ezekiel chapter 37, and we talked about how God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the valley of dry bones, people that were hopeless, slain, cut off, and just massacred, and that they would come back to life, and in the natural, you'd see a dry bones, but God would see an army. And so many people are dry bones, they feel hopeless, they feel cut off, they feel distant from God. Their personal situations and circumstances are, are very gloomy in this world around us. The world seems to be getting crazier and crazier as the day goes by. People are getting more angry, spinning out, frustrated, irritated. Addiction, suicide, and domestic violence is on the rise like it's never been before. So we're surrounded by a world of dry bones. And those dry bones are going to be looking for help and answers. And guess where God's going to bring them? Right here. Now, we're not the only church. I believe that when the harvest really starts popping, people are going to be walking into all churches. There's 850 churches in the Coastal Bend region, and each church has its unique voice, its unique sound, its unique purpose. I'm not comparing myself to other churches, but what I can say is make room and get ready because they're coming. Now, some of you here today or watching online, you might feel like you're hopeless, cut off from God, cut off from people, family, friends, and you feel like you're completely dry bones. And that's why it's so important that you see your situation the way God sees it, that you see yourself the way God sees you, and that you see others the way he sees them, okay? Now, this is a very apostolic, prophetic church, and I talked about that last week a little bit. What does that mean? That means that our church is on a mission to transform the community around us and to see the kingdom of God advance in the world all around us. It's part of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, and showing them the things that Jesus has showed you. It also means that The kingdom is always increasing. It's never decreasing. And so in the midst of dark, hard, difficult times, the kingdom is not shrinking. Okay, so the kingdom of God is everlasting. The rule of Jesus's government is everlasting, Isaiah 9. So it's always increasing. And we're a part of that increase. And that means you have to be prepared for what's coming. We named this church Rock City for a purpose. We're the city built on the rock. We're the body of Christ, Texas. We're a city on a hill. We're called for our light to shine bright. We don't cover it up or hide it. We're on a mission to impact the influencers and the leaders of this community because I care about your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and the generations coming down the line. And I've taught this many times, but the Bible makes it clear that the nations belong to Jesus, and this nation belongs to him. So we have to have a love and a care and a comfort for this country. But it also is sinful to the core. 
human trafficking, prostitution, pornography, drug addiction. People are broken, hurting, and godlessness and lawlessness are rampant. Everybody say, tag, I'm it. So you're the answer. So if you're angry, mad, and apathetic and living in a doom and gloom mindset, there's a problem with you. And that's what the world and what the news media would want you to believe. Now, remember, there's four voices that always talk to you, or most of the time are trying to talk to you. Maybe five. Okay? The first voice is the one that talks to you more than anything else. I'm just teaching this to my kids. The number one voice that talks to you the most is yourself. And if you're not spirit-led and hearing God's voice, what you're telling yourself is a scary thought. You're advising and counseling your own self. Second voice, God. God always wants to speak to you. And if he's silent, it's only because he wants you to seek out the matter and search it out and spend time with him. The kingdom of God is not a microwave kingdom. It's not the magic kingdom. It's not Disney World. That's right. And so the third voice is the devil. The devil always wants to try to deceive and accuse you. The fourth voice is other people. Other people will speak to you, some good, some not so good. That's why we need prophets and people that are spirit-filled that speak life and truth and pull you up instead of pulling you down. They know how to bring wise counsel and advise you when you need help the most. And I would say probably the fifth voice would be the spirit of this age. The world system is screaming for people to conform to it rather than to the things of God. And so it's so very important that you're hearing God's voice and that what you're hearing and what you're seeing is what you're saying and what you're doing. You can't have one without the other. You can't hear and see and it not produce some sort of action. For us personally, if we're not getting wise counsel from the Lord and hearing from his voice and you're counseling yourself, you'll retreat, you'll become introverted. Then the devil knows how to kick you when you're down. And even Christians, quote unquote, can kick you when you're down. Then we isolate, pull away and say, we don't need each other or the church. And the next thing you know, the devil picks us off because we're alone and we're angry, and we're mad. That's why God never designed it for it to be that way. And so when people come into your life that are hurting and broken or dry bones, you have to have the word of the Lord. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. In the natural, it's dry bones, but to God, it's an army. And I talked about that last week, Ezekiel 37, the first 14 verses, we broke it down line by line. But as apostolic prophetic church, the mindset is that we're on a mission to not be self-centered, not be an introverted church in the context of focus solely on ourselves, but to be an outward expression of Christ's love to the community around us. First to our home, our neighbors, our county, our city, county, the state, and the nations of the world. All right? And so... God's going to be bringing a lot of people into your life that are dry bones. So if you're dry bones right now, we got to get you resurrected. We got to get you full of the spirit. We got to get you healthy. We got to get your marriage healthy because you're the contrast. Let's say that. I am the contrast. You're the difference between light and dark. You're the light of the world. We just did a whole series on the light of the world. Okay. 
So the question to Ezekiel was, what do you see? God caused Ezekiel to pass all around the Valley of Dry Bones, and we are surrounded in Flower Bluff and Corpus Christi by a lot of dry bones. Lots of people are dry bones. These are people that, and the scriptures make it clear, they were slain, they were hopeless, they were destitute, and they felt as though they had no hope and they were cut off. Those are the ones that God would turn into a mighty army. Ezekiel in the spirit would trust God's word and command the bones to be revived to life through prophecy and specifically to speak to the breath from the four corners of the earth. Now, prophecy is so important. There are things that I don't do on Sunday morning that I do do on a Wednesday night. Sunday mornings are designed to reach the people that are searching, looking, and desiring the more that God has for them. There's also only so much time. Now, right now, I'm getting prophetic words for so many of you as I look at you and I look around the room. There's the the testimony of Jesus and the spirit of prophecy inside me and in this room, which we'll talk more about that next week. It gives me a yearning desire to breathe the breath of life and to give you what God's giving to me and showing me. The problem is if I start doing that right now, the whole service will be over like that. So we focus on Sunday mornings on training, equipping, equipping, and challenging you, believing that God will prophetically speak to your heart and that when you walk out of these doors, you'll be hungry, thirsty, and desirous for more. So let's all say this together. Say, because there's more. more. There is a lot more. God has so much more for you. You're never stuck and you're never, he's limitless in who he is in the knowledge and understanding of who God is, and he wants to show you the more that he has for you, but you have to have a desire for it. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, uh, says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Prophecy is the most important gift to the church. The most important gift to the church. Everything we do should be prophetically. The challenge is that so many people don't understand what real prophecy is. So if you came from a hyper-charismatic church or a charismaniac church or a place where everything was built on signs, wonders, miracles, and manifestations, then you could have seen abuses and in turn you throw out the move of the spirit. Where there's abuse and misuse, there can be disuse. But God wants correct use. And the correct use is 1 Corinthians 14.3, which says prophecy is for edification, comfort, and uh, building up people's lives. And the word edify means to build and set things into place. And so prophecy puts things in position and gives a trajectory and a direction for your life. But if I'm not hearing from God's voice accurately, then what I speak to you, instead of directing you, could inhibit you from the growth that God wants to do inside of you. Prophecy is important. Prophecy is hearing the word of the Lord, and being obedient to say what God tells you to say. And if you're saying what God tells you to say, then it doesn't matter what you say. But if you're not saying what God tells you to say, you're talking from your own heart, your own head, and from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It sounds right, and it may seem right in the natural, but it doesn't produce life. It's right, not righteous. And this is for all of you that are ego mindsets. You see microscopically, and then God reveals things to you And some things are not so complicated, right? You can tell a lot by a person's body language and their demeanor. 
by maybe the clothes that they wear. But the problem is, is God commands us to never judge based on those things. And when you start to see and God reveals something to you, you have a responsibility of what you're going to say and how you say it. And it's also the same for yourself. Some of you, it's way easier to prophesy and tell, give somebody else an encouraging word. But when it comes to yourself, you're speaking nothing but death and lies and condemnation. So Ezekiel in the spirit would trust God's word. He would be obedient and the bones would ultimately revive, but they would have no breath of life to live and to become. So the bones came together, the flesh and the sinews, it was all connected. They stood up, but they still weren't alive. That's why I cannot emphasize to you enough how important it is that you're constantly filled with the spirit. And that's why you need to know, and I'm going to say it again, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a second baptism. There are two baptisms, and I will go toe-to-toe with anybody doctrinally on the, on the fact that there are two baptisms. Baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit. They can happen at the same time, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an endowment of the power of God for greater effective works and ministry and purpose and the gifts flowing out of you to do what God's called you to do. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, then... I would challenge you guys to do your research. I've preached many messages on it. Ask somebody to teach you, ask somebody to help you, or just cry out to God and say, God, I want more. There is more that God has for you, okay? So what do you see when you see both your situation and the situation of others? What do you say when you're seeing? So if you talk to yourself the most, it's easy to look at your situation and your circumstances and speak death instead of life, or think death instead of life. And it's especially easy to do that for other people. If I'm consumed with my own problems and issues in my life, it's going to be hard for me to give life away to somebody else, because all I see is my own problems and struggles. Romans ten seventeen, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is not a blind faith. It's not a doubtful faith. It's a confident surety that there's evidence all around me of the existence of God and what God wants to say and do. We're never without a, should never be without a confidence and a security and a surety in what God wants to say and do. That's why the just live by faith. We walk by faith. Faith is the, is in so many ways, the cornerstone elementary principle that we all have to be reminded of every day. Faith speaks life. Faith hears God's voice and puts it into action. And also faith has to be something that produces more than where you're at right now. Faith will never leave you the same. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I get a lot of people that come to church, man, I just want more word. If you write down how many scriptures I quote on any given service, it's insane. Now, really what they're probably saying is I want line upon line teaching. Well, sometimes I'm a line upon line teacher, but most of the time I'm not. I'm also not a five-point behavior modification principle-driven teacher. I'm a storyteller. The Bible's like a 10,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. And I hate jigsaw puzzles. (laughs) I really do. Like, if it's past 100 big pieces, I'm out. But see, God strategically through 66 books and 
40, over 40 authors, has this way of putting the pieces together. And he interweaves stories and tapestries. And he uses all the Old Testament to reveal the New Testament. So only God can strategically connect and put the dots or the pieces of the puzzle together. You got to learn to rightly divide the word and you have to spend a lot of time in God's word. When the Bible talked, when Jesus talked about from your heart, the treasures will flow uh, where your mouth is, your treasure is. The word treasure in the Greek is the word thesaurus. It means God puts all kinds of words and concepts and ideas that are interconnected to help you understand a situation. That's why you have to spend lots and lots of time in God's word. I love God's word. But God's written word by itself will make you a whitewashed tombstone. If there's no breath on it, there's two words for word in the Greek, rhema and logos. Logos is what God has said. Rhema is what God is saying. And you can't have one without the other. The logos is the riverbed. The rhema is the river. So God breathes on top of his word. The more word that you begin to know and learn and hear, you develop concepts and understandings. And then when God speaks, it goes bingo, it hits the target. And now it comes alive on another level. So you have to stay in God's word, but you also have to position yourself to hear. This word for word is rhema. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What's it do? When God speaks, you should come alive. So what, God's, what is God saying in your depressive state? What is God saying when you're weak? That's why in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. You cannot do this on your own. And the more you think you can, the more will pile stuff on top of you and you're gonna feel like, man, I am like, and I've said this so many times, I'm underwater. You ever feel like you're underwater? You ever feel like you're drowning? Well, sometimes I feel like I'm 100 feet. I'm like, man, I'm 100 feet. And then I go 200 feet. And I said, God, I'm dying, I'm drowning. He says, here's your scuba tank of grace. Because you can't do it without my grace. So he designed it that way. The more you try to do it on your own, the more it'll be a weighty, combusting thing in your life and you're going to cave and crumble. And then God says, okay, finally, here I am. So you come to me and I'm caving, I'm crumbling, feel like I'm dying. I said, finally, come here and give me a big hug. Looks like God's got you right where he wants you. You're like, what are you talking about, pastor? The devil's on every side spiritual warfare, rebuke the devil for me. I'm like, it isn't the devil. This is God. (laughs) He designed it for you to never be able to carry this weight on your own. You ever have so much stuff in your your life and everything's going haywire and you just got to laugh? God says laughter is the best medicine. Jimmy Buffett said, if we couldn't laugh, We'd all go insane. And it's true. God designed this thing for you to never carry it on your own. That's why you got the cross. That's why he died for you. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith for yourself, but faith for others. Because there's times many of you in here have no faith for your life right now. And what happens is when you're not hearing God's word, you begin to drift, Hebrews 2.1. If you don't pay diligent attention to the things you heard and learned at first, you will become a spiritual drifter. You become a spiritual transient. You never settle. You never have peace. You're never at home. You're never at rest. 
Now I go through these seasons, just ask my wife, and she goes through these seasons. But that's why you have the anchor of God's word. You always come back to God's word. And then you stand on it and you position yourself to hear God's word every day. And what happens? Faith boosts. I can tell when people are down, broke, busted, and disgusted. It's not hard to read people. But what do I say when I see that in other people? We got to get, we got to, you need a faith boost shot. We need some spiritual IV hookup. We need spiritual revive. We need to get some Holy Ghost vitamin C inside your veins. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is he saying in your situation and what is he saying in the situation with others? And if you don't desire prophecy, you're not going to get it. You need to desire the prophetic word of the Lord, but you have to have a rooting of perfect love. James 2, 4, what did I give you? James 2, 17, 2, 14. The whole James chapter two is incredible. And the whole thing about James chapter two is like, Faith alone by itself is not enough. There has to be works with it. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is D-E-A-D. It's dead. And people are like, oh, you say you got faith and people come in hurting and broken and you say, bless you, brother, we'll pray for you and send you on your way. And that doesn't mean I'm always giving you money and giving you stuff. Sometimes... It may not be things, but it's the power in the word of the Lord, like the man at the gate called beautiful in Acts chapter three. That's why you have to be, have be discerning. Sometimes it is a hotel night. Sometimes it is paying for a bill. And sometimes it's hear the word of the Lord. That's why you have to be spirit led. I'm gonna keep hammering that. And so faith produces life and faith comes by hearing, but faith in action comes by believing, speaking, and doing. And this is my wife's language, love language. There has to be an action. Faith has to produce something out of you. That's why you got to get up and get moving. You got to do something with God's call. You got to put your money where your mouth is. There's tons of stuff that I don't want to do, but faith propels me to do and love propels me to do. We, we have to do all we can to fight for this nation and fight for our county. We have to. Because the laws and the policies and the decisions that policymakers are making are going to affect your kids, going to affect our education system. They're going to affect the decisions that are being made for generations and generations to come. But you got to do it with the spirit and you got to do it with love and you got to get with the right people. And we have to vote for the right people, the people that love Jesus and that will implement laws and stand together for biblical values. It's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It's a kingdom of God thing. And that may mean some of you are going to have to step up and run for some of these positions. And a lot of those people are coming here. I have county judges, city council members, congressmen, uh, state representative, all of those people in my phone and their phone numbers personally. I pray with them, I love on them, and I challenge them. And I'm gonna go hard after the right people that I believe are supposed to be in leadership in this city. And I don't make any apologies for it. And I have people that come up to me that have watched the things that we've been doing in this city and say, man, I'm so proud of you. 
I've had spiritual leaders and elders of the city call and say, man, what you're doing, the reputation of what you guys are doing is incredible. You need to understand that I represent you and you represent me. I'm going places you don't go and you go places I don't go. But we're now a family and wisdom's justified by our children. So this is a breath of life church. This church is a breath of life church. And we're constantly breathing the breath of God everywhere that we go. And when I meet these people, I'm, I'm kind, I'm cordial, but I'm also bold as a lion. There's no mistake of what mission it is that we're on. And that's to lead people to Christ so that they can be followers of him. So faith without works is dead. You have to have working faith. Let's say that, working faith. And I think this nation and all of us are realizing we can't be silent anymore. But we also have to learn to fight right. Go check my Facebook. My Facebook is, I use my Facebook for a very specific purpose. I share everything that happens here, spiritual things, and some of my family. And I tell people, if you want to know about my life, follow my wife's Instagram. But I'm on a mission And we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And we are a governmental apostolic church designed to bring life to see people born again and flamed on. Anybody not born again and spirit-led is living in a world of behavior modification. And there's people that love behavior modification. And they come to this church. They say, Pastor, just tell me which I've had people leave because I don't give enough points or enough principles or enough scriptures. That one really boggles my mind. Really what it is is they don't want to conform to the more and be prophetically spirit-led to what God has for them. That's why we're never going to put on the front of this church, welcome home. Because this may not be your home. It's like, your, your new church home is here. It's like, you don't know that. I'm going to move on from... <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. But it's true. You have a tribe, you have a call, you have a purpose. You're apostolic. If Jesus is inside of you, you're apostolic by nature. And if he's not, he needs to get inside of you or you'll never fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And you'll chase after drugs and sex and alcohol or numbing out or checking out or hiding out or isolating out, whatever it is that keeps you separated and kills you. But when the mission comes alive inside of you, When the vision comes alive inside of you, when the breath of life comes inside of you, you're going to say, get me to the valley of dry bones. How fast can I get there? I'm hungry for those dry bones. Seriously, think about Caleb. You know what the Caleb, what the name Caleb means? One of the two spies that said, oh, we'll take that land. Oh, giants, come on. It's like a howling, it means howling dog, but on a mission without fear. And this world wants you to be afraid. The spirit of the saves wants you to back down or wants you to get in and start fighting the way they fight. Angry, nasty, mean, and you're just another talking head like everybody else. If you don't have prophecy coursing through your life and you start thinking, seeing, speaking, believing, especially if you're married especially if you're married. We have to get prophetic downloads all the time 
for one another. We're so oppositely made. We think different. We're wired different. But God unified us for a purpose because he knew together we would be better than separate. And that's how God works in marriage. Could you imagine if my wife was like me? Could you imagine if I was like her? God designed us uniquely different and said, now I'm going to make you one. That is a miraculous thing only God could do. Make sure y'all understand that. It's a miracle of God. Now, how does he do it in a body of Christ? How does he do it with you? I mean, there's so many of you here that I don't know personally. Maybe give you a hug, love you, see you. But all, all of us have unique backgrounds and differences and cultures and different places. And yet by the Holy Spirit, God can make us all one. And then he can put us all on a mission. And most of the stuff that we think matters doesn't really matter. It's powerful. So you have to have working faith. Ezekiel was in the spirit taken by the hand of the Lord to say yes, believe, and then put his faith in action through the breath of life that came out of him. God said, can these bones live? In the natural, Ezekiel said, not a chance. They are so jacked up, so messed up, there's no way. It defies the natural understanding when God asks you that question. And Ezekiel in the natural could have easily said, there's no way, man, that person's way too far gone. But not according to God. According to God, it was going to be an army. And Ezekiel gave the best answer. He said, God, you know. Let me tell you how mature that is. The other day, I was walking with the Lord. I've shared this with you recently. I'm going to keep sharing it with you because it keeps happening. It's so natural for me to say, God, I want to see what you see. And I was like, man, Lord, God, help me to see what you see. And the Lord's like, yeah, no. You can't handle what I see. And he's right. So I said, God, help me to see only what you want me to see, nothing more, nothing less. See, I'm constantly under the microscope. People hear about this church, we're moving in the spirit and all the stuff that's going on, there's a cloud of God's presence. Some people walk in and hate it and many pe- more people are walking in and loving it, right? Because they're hungry for the more. But they're not seeing what God's seeing. And many times God's like, you, can't, you don't want to see what I see. There's so much deception around this world that if you started to see the deception on a greater level, it'll make you angry, mad, and kill you. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And now we have more access through the internet and, and social media and YouTube and stuff coming out down the line that more and more deception is being exposed. And some of you love deception. You love conspiracy theories. And the challenge is some of the conspiracies aren't conspiracies. And then you go, man, I've been lied to my whole life. And then you get angry. Then you get mad. Then you get apathetic. And then you start going down this road, but not me. Once you start hearing what God says about this situation that's going on in the world around us, you say, ah, God's not caught off guard. God's not sidetracked. God's got a plan. Kingdom's increasing. Tag I met. Where's the dry bones? The key's for you to not become dry bones. And some of y'all are upright and you're believers and you're Christians and you got no fire, no spirit, no breath of life coming out of you. And my job is to get you flamed on and breathing full of the spirit, to get your eyes off the natural circumstances. Oh, trust me, we got a million things to get frustrated about. I can see frustration. If I start looking at issues, man, I'm going to get mad. So God says, 
you better get your eyes on me. You're living for me. And if I show you something, I want you to see it the way I see it and process it the way I process it. Otherwise, you don't need to see those things. So God, we only want to see what you see or what you want us to see. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 3. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing. Yet, as he ought to know, meaning there's so much more that God wants to show you that you don't know. And it's a tragedy when you get apathetic or lukewarm or come to the place of been there, done that, I've been to church my whole life, God's not moving, nothing's exciting and spectacular. If we don't have more to offer than Harry Potter in this church, we got a problem. I'm being serious. If there's no power in supernatural, we're never going to fascinate a generation. So God says, here comes Ezekiel to prophesy the dry bones and fascinate a generation. This church is very, very mixed based on the age groups. I'd say it's almost equal. Last service, I had everybody 40 and understand that. You wouldn't believe how many people were in that church, in this church, last service, 40 and under, over half. If you're 40 and under here, stand up. This is about 80, 75 to 80%. Now go ahead and be seated. Now, you know who probably the most important age group in this church is? Not the ones that just stood. You know why? Because it's the 56 year olds and older that are the elders that are going to bring wisdom and going to bring direction and guidance and correction that teach the next. It's one generation teaches the next one. Thank God we have a young church. But I need everybody that has, has age and wisdom and life behind them to invest into these young adults and invest into the next generation. It's desperate, desperate need in this house for elders and, and mamas and papas and pastors. Because you can see why. And if any of y'all stood up and you're not on fire at your young age, especially if you're in your 20s, I'm going to shake you, <laughs> strangle you. And if you're a part of this church, you should have no, you have zero good reason to be church hurt or angry or mad. I mean, somebody's going to hurt you because they looked at you wrong. That's your own issue. Or they corrected you and you saw correction as rejection. Correction is not rejection. But it has to be done in the right heart. It has to be done with perfect love. It has to be done because I care for you and I love you. And that's why I say, look, if you love me and you respect me, I'm okay to correct it for you to correct me. I'm not the high and mighty, untouchable man of God. Just ask my wife. She sees all my flaws. And that's all right. I have nothing to hide and protect. So we're going to break this scripture down and tell you a couple of powerful things. Let's go back to verse one. We all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up and love edifies. The word puff means it becomes arrogant, haughty, cocky, and prideful. Now let's talk about knowledge. All right, knowledge the word gnosis, and the opposite of that is agnoi or agnostic, which means to not know. It means I don't know. If somebody's an agnostic 
They, they could believe that God exists, but that he doesn't actively get involved or they would just say that I don't know. There probably is a supreme being or a supreme intelligence or a creator, but I don't know. This is the opposite of that. This means we know. It means we have a general intelligence and understanding. It means I learned or discovered to know, I came to know, or I got a knowledge of. Especially in things lawful and unlawful for us as believers, it's moral wisdom that leads to right living. The root word of this word is ginosko. It means I'm allowed to know something and I'm made, I've been made to become aware, I can feel, I perceive, I resolve, and then I speak. It's also the same word for intimately knowing your spouse. It's an intimate knowledge that God has allowed me to have that gives me an ability to do something with what I know. The challenge with being in the know, quote unquote, the challenge with being in the know about situations, circumstances, and the things of God, and especially about other people, is that this knowledge can actually be misguided and cause you to become arrogant and puffed up instead of edifying and building up. Now, this is a powerful scripture that I'm going to use in this context. It's not so much in the learning or the education or the things of God. What about in the learning and the education that God shows you about yourself and about other people? If I get a prophetic download about your life, especially if I'm getting like deep hidden secrets and, and like stuff only God could know. And some of y'all are just wowed by addresses and family names and social security numbers and credit card numbers. There's people that God can show that to. But with that kind of information and knowledge comes a lot of responsibility. And what happens is, is you can't trust yourself. This is the best part about this revelation. I don't trust myself, but I trust God. And if I stay low and I stay humble, then when I get the knowledge and I'm, my eyes are on him and I'm wind driven, instead of being puffed up, which is pride, arrogance, and haughtiness, what am I? Humble and low. And now I edify. Remember the words edify. So now I take that knowledge that God allowed me to get prophetically and I build you. I'll use Matthew for an example. Matthew's been very transparent about his past and his life and what he's coming out of. He'd just open up and tell anybody. And I respect that about him. People are like, whoa, oh, wow. The thing is, is Matthew confessed all kinds of stuff to me and there's all kinds of stuff I could see. Did I ever once call you out? Did I ever once tear you down? Did I ever rule over you? But have I built you? Have I edified you? Have I spoken love to you? Both of you. He was dry bones, but God wrecked him in a night in dreams on some, drugged out on some drug I don't even know about, <laughs> hoping to have some spiritual dream, right? And guess what? God awakened him and he used Zoe to prophesy over him. And next thing you know, he came to church one day and now he's flamed on, growing. God's got him in process and discovery. Some of y'all, you like know the Bible front and back and you're puffed up. If you don't get the breath of life inside of you and you start to hear and see with perfect love rooted and grounded for yourself, for your situation, and for others, you're going to become a mean old Christian. 
And you call yourself a Christian. There's no fire, no passion, no wonders, no miracles. You go to church every day. I don't want that life. And it'd be easy for us to live that life. It'd be easy for us to live unto ourselves, just me, myself, and I. I can make 10 times the amount of money that I'm making doing this if I solely focused on coffee shops. So many of you are gifted with talents and abilities and work in your hands, and God has blessed you, and you can keep chasing after those other things. But at the end of the day, if you don't connect with the mission and the vision God has in your life and start giving out what God's put inside of you, you're going to become depressed. When the gift is suppressed or depressed, you become oppressed. You were designed to give away life and the breath of life to those that are around you. And trust me, it will be the most driest of dry bones. Oh, we all want the easy one. I just wish people would come up to me every day and say, Pastor, I'm at my end. I've been running and I just want to be born again. Will you lead me to Jesus? (laughs) Come here. Five, ten times a day. Does it work like that? So knowledge puffs up, but love builds. It edifies. I want you to grow in your knowledge. I want you to grow in your understanding. But when God allows you to see things and understand things, you've got to understand it has a purpose behind it. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. So when God wants to manifest through you, it's for the profit of everyone around you, not just for you. So if you get a breakthrough, your breakthrough always is going to lead to something else. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the Spirit. And then a few verses later, it goes on to say that another gift of the Spirit is the discerning of spirits. So you have to learn to discern. You have to get words of wisdom and words of knowledge, but you got to position yourself, listen and ask for it. That's why Wednesday night, Supernormal Natural, this coming Wednesday, these Wednesdays are so so important to this church. So don't you get tired of just hearing about and talking about and want to see some action? I do. And I'm getting more excited when I start to see God do it through you that on Wednesday nights, I just set the microphone down and say, here's the ground rules. Here's the parameters. Keep it short and sweet. And it better be the Lord. And you open yourself up for correction. And the truth is, I really haven't had to correct anybody the last, in a long time. The presence of God's here. Now you start prophesying. You start edifying. You start building. You start comforting other people's lives. God gives you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. So what if you get a word of knowledge, but you're puffed up? Now I'm going to look at you and I'm going to correct you or direct you from myself instead of from the spirit of God. And that's a problem. He allows you to be made aware, feel and perceive, and then to speak and to do something. And if you are puffed up, instead of the breath of life, it'll be the breath of death. That'd be a good message title. The breath of death. Maybe not. Come on, guys. You guys can all lighten up. I know it's church, but it's family. I'm being real and raw with you. That's why your words are so powerful on the daily. There's, if I started teaching you on the power of your words, that's a whole nother series. But what you say often comes from what you see and what you're hearing. That's why God tells you to speak life 
And out of the mouth, out of your mouth comes life or death. And sometimes you got life out of the left and death out of the right. I catch myself all the time. I think of a situation and out of my mouth, something bothers me or angers me and here comes something I should have never said. And then I'm like, oh, Jesus, I just praise you. And I, it's like one minute death, one minute life. And you, and you can't drink salt water, folks. Remember, the word for breath is the same Hebrew and Greek word for wind and spirit. So we're talking about the breath of life or the wind of life or the spirit of life, both hearing and becoming life for others and both hearing and becoming life for yourself. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7 from the Passion Translation. You seem to always be looking at people by their outward appearances. If someone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should remind himself of this. We belong to Christ no less than he does. We never look at people as less than whether they are Christians or true believers or not, ever. Stop. You love everyone equally and you love everyone the same, no matter what. We must have love and respect for people no matter what they choose to live or how they choose to live in their lifestyle. We also should know that there are people who have genuinely surrendered their life to Christ and have completely messy lifestyles for all kinds of reasons. All kinds of reasons. They came to Jesus, they said yes, then they entered into process and the Holy Spirit starts working on their soul. They have to be discipled. They have to learn. They have to grow. And their life is still a mess. And yet they have surrendered or called themselves a Christian. Ever met an angry Christian? Ever met an addicted Christian? You know how many addicts come and give their lives to Christ, but they still have the same lifestyle around them and friends and situations and people and crazy homes? You have to help. We have to help walk them out. But there are some distinguishing factors and differences between unbelievers and believers in Christ. There are differences, mainly when it comes to the expectations and fruit production in their lives. There's a, there's a different expectation for a Christian than somebody in the world. You can't expect somebody that doesn't believe in God to act the way you do. And if they have some of those qualities, thank God for that. But they don't have the same convictions that we do. But for those that have given their life to the Lord, we should remind ourselves. Look at this, remind himself. It has to be a constant reminder that when someone's in Christ, they belong to Jesus and he's at work in them as much as he is in you. We're not the Lord of other people's lives. That's why Jesus taught so much on getting this the plank out of your own eye. How many times, we'll probably talk about this next week, how many dead bones did Jesus resurrect in his ministry? People rejected, outcasts. That's why God says, I'll make the outcasts a strong nation. Those dry bones will become a mighty army. A great standard to always live by 
is to stop allowing the outward appearance to affect our discernment of what God sees and knows on the inside of a person. 2 Corinthians chapter 14 through 16. For the love of Christ compels us, just hammers it right off the bat. We're compelled or moved first and foremost and do everything we do because of the love of Christ. And because of that love, notice this scripture says we judge this way. People say you're not supposed to judge. That's not biblical. You're not supposed to judge inaccurately. Judge not lest you be judged. Or with the measure you you judge others, you'll be judged yourself. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and just judge myself and get that stuff dealt with and not be haughty and arrogant and prideful and make sure I'm dealing with the plank in my eye. And if I'm dealing with the speck in your eye, I'm doing it with perfect love and tenderness the way God did it with me, with me and with you. So the love of Christ compels us, and this is the way that we judge. If one died for all, then all died. Then he died for all. Those who live should no, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, this is the key, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. The point here is not regarding anyone according to the flesh. What is the flesh? It's what you see with the natural eye. It's people's issues, selfishness, struggles, challenges, or their outward appearance. The key is what do you see? The word regard in the Greek is the word ido. It means what I see. So now what I see causes me to discern, notice, discover, or perceive by my senses. What I observe and inspect and examine and behold in a person now gives me knowledge and wisdom about them. So I have to make sure that I'm not regarding them according to what I see on an outward appearance, even though outward appearances can be extremely obvious. But that ido or that vision that I have doesn't determine what God sees or what I say to a person. John, this is Jesus, John 8, 15 in the passion. You've set yourself up as judges of others based on but I certainly never judge others in that way. So if he doesn't, why would you? First Samuel 16, I love this. We'll just touch on a piece of it. God tells Samuel the prophet, there's going to be a new king in Israel. Go to Bethlehem, to Jesse's house, make a sacrifice, and I'm going to anoint my new king. Now in the natural, and even by Israel, the, the, the Hebrew law, it's the firstborn son that would have gotten the promotion and the blessing to become the king. And so when Samuel shows up, has a sacrifice, here comes Eliab, the firstborn son, tall, handsome, and even Samuel the prophet misses it. And if Samuel the prophet can miss it, so can you. He's like, ah, surely this is the one. And look at what God says. The Lord says, don't look at his appearance or his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does, this is so good in the context of this message. God doesn't see the way you see. He sees differently. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, what if the most addicted, worst of the worst walks in this church, tattoos everywhere, whatever it is, and you're like, man, that guy is dry bones, he's jacked up. I see people addicted and tweaking all the time. 
people walk in this church tweaking all the time. One time, we had a lady come in high on meth. Worship was so powerful. The presence of God was so strong. She starts lifting her hands. Shirt comes up to her breast. She starts running around the church acting like a crazy person. Now, could you imagine if that was your first day coming here? I love telling this story. I'm going to tell this my whole life. I told you about the guy with the high-heeled red stripper platform shoes. Came here for three years. And I hope he comes back. Really, because I want to try to help him. One time I was out in the lobby. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. I was in the lobby between services. A lady comes up to me and says, Pastor, Pastor, I got to talk to you. Shaking her head. She was upset. I got to talk to you. I'm like, whoa, okay. What's going on? She says, you see that guy over there? And I look, and it's, I know his name. I know who he was. Hi, 18-inch platforms, not just women's shoes. Not stilettos, strippers, okay? (laughs) Are stilettos even a thing? I don't even, that's what I used to know they were called. Anyway, you see that guy. You allow that guy to come to this church dressed like that? And she was upset. You know what I said? I said, let me tell you something. You know the difference between him and you? He wears his issues out for everyone to see. That was a God-breathed word right there. (laughs) She says, oh, you're right, Pastor. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, yeah, I know him. God's working on him, but we need to focus on working on you. Don't worry about him. My friend came from Tulsa, my roaster. We were at HEB 11 o'clock at night. That same guy was there. We're in the, in the vegetable section, fruit section, right-hand side at my HEB. And I'm, I'm looking, we'll just, this used to be an HEB. Let's just pretend this is the fruit and vegetable section. My friend's standing there looking that way and I'm looking this way and he looks at me, goes, oh my God, oh my God. I said, what, bro, what? He goes, look at that guy behind you. And I turn around, and there is, I won't say his name, coming, but this time, white stripper platform shoes. And I turned, I said, oh, man. I said his name, come here. And he was tall. I mean, out 18 inches. He was already six foot something before the shoes. I And one thing this guy always did is he would give me a hug and raise me up. I would be dangling. My feet would be dangling in the air. And he would raise me up seven feet in the air and squeeze me and shake me. And my friend was in shock. He was in shock. Not only did the guy shock him, but now he's dangling me in the air, hugging me, right? In the vegetable and fruit section. It was quite a sight, let me just tell you. God sees differently. God sees differently. What you see and observe with your natural eye can make a lot of things clear and blatantly. And blatantly obvious, right? Body language says a lot about a person. Facial expressions, people's countenance. And of course, the things people wear. And you know, you can tell a lot by a homeless person or a poor person or an addicted person. And some of those things can be extremely obvious and easy. 
And we could say they're dry bones. But on the flip side, when you allow appearances and observations to develop your determinations, you become in great danger of missing what God may want to say and do through a person's life. In this scripture, Samuel was sure the tall, handsome firstborn had to be the one. But he wasn't. The least outcast, insignificant shepherd boy, even rejected by his own family, was the one that God would pick. Looks can be deceiving, right? And more often than not, we have to treat everyone with honor, respect, and love and see them the way God does because I can assure you it's a test to test your heart and motive. Many times God's going to put somebody in front of you and anything that God shows you is not for them. It was for you. That's why most of these short-term mission trips, like the one the youth is going on this summer, it's going to be way more for the youth. The high schoolers need to get rocked. And as you're pouring out on these, in this mission field and in Mexico or wherever you go, yes, people's eyes will be touched, but more than anything, God wants to change you. And if you're not careful, it's easy to write people off or it's easy to write people on. How about the wealthy, got it all together, dressed to the nines? And we see people that seemingly seem to be doing well, they're dressed nice and they look wealthy or they look like they have status. You treat that person different? Or what do you say to yourself? Man, that person's got it together. You don't know that. I have plenty of wealthy friends that got their fair share of issues. So you never judge by outward appearances. But you have to hear what God hears. No matter what it is that you see and say, when you say it God's way, it always leads to life. Even if it feels like death. Everything God does is redemptive and designed to reconcile people back to himself. Even if it hurts. And sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it'll hurt you and sometimes it'll hurt others. Rejection hurts and people will hurt you. People did that to Jesus. If he was rejected, you'll be rejected. But correction's not rejection. So if you see something or God gives you a prophetic word for somebody's life or a prophetic prescription, it's all designed to lead to life even if it's hard. We have to tell people all the time, hey, listen, I love you, but this thing's going to kill you. You got you to get your life right. We say it all the time. So people come in, not married, living together, sleeping together. And instead of beating them up and beating them down, and we'll tell them, if you shock up, you crack up. But at the same time, those people need to be loved to health. You know how many marriages? I think I'm the done more marriages for people that came in living together in this church, not married, and then got them healthy and right with the Lord in time God's way. And just because you're living with someone doesn't mean you're supposed to marry that person. There's no formula for people. It has to be prophetic prescriptions from heaven. You have to recognize that some people are going to reject you and that you represent the breath of life no matter what. It's not your responsibility what somebody does with the information and knowledge you give them. Remember that. Your responsibility is to be obedient. You say, man, they just won't listen to me. 
Okay, are you telling them what you're supposed to tell them? Yes, then it's not your, not your problem. Let's everybody say, not my problem. All you can do is speak the truth and speak life and do it prophetically and pray for them. I'll leave you with this last scripture, 2 Corinthians 14 through 17. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, always leads in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses. Everybody say, make me a diffuser. Now, if you're into essential oils, you really love that scripture. I take it a lot of yar. What does it mean to be a diffuser? The word diffuse means manifest. It means to make things visible, to expose, to reveal, or make known what has been hidden or unknown. So God's diffusing what through you? The knowledge of Christ, the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ in every place, his fragrance. So you're a diffuser or you're making manifest through your life the knowledge of God. And we've broke that down. The understanding to know, to have insight, to have wisdom. Now, because I know him, everywhere I go, I'm a big giant diffuser. Everywhere. The problem is I'm not diffusing if I'm, if I'm only infusing. And some of y'all are just like, all you do is infuse more word, more podcasts, more YouTube, church, 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 church. And then the more knowledge you get, the more puffed up you become. And if you don't start edifying other people's lives through love, you're going to become a fat, lazy Christian. And that's not this church. You will not be comfortable here because of what's coming and what we're going to be doing. A lot more than what we're doing. He's like, do you do this? Not yet, but we will. What about this? Oh, that's coming. And then there's a lot of things we're already doing. But if God has his way through this house, you better watch out. Like this maker's market that we're doing on February 12th, let me tell you, if you all get behind this, I need artists, I need painters, I need sculptors. If you make things, if you sell things, if you make all kinds of stuff, get with Nicole and get to the maker's market or tell your friends because we have 4.4 acres of property in Flower Bluff on the corner of SPID. This is awesome. And we're going to use it as an outreach. We're going to give it, we're going to be big diffuser. So we diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to the one where the aroma of death leading to death and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as sincerity as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. You're not peddlers. Say, I'm not a peddler. You know what a peddler means? It means I'm, I'm doing something for money. It means I'm, I'm using this for wrong ambitions and wrong motives. This isn't about what we can get from somebody else. If you make it your ambition to give away what God puts inside of you, God will give you way more than what you have now. I promise you, he will. You cannot live under yourself. And it's always in the sight of Christ. You're not a peddler. 
And God gives you the sufficiency, everything you need to do what you're called to do. And some people are going to say, I don't want to hear anything that you have to say. And they reject you. This church has been here nine years. You know how many people have left, come and gone? More people are coming than going, thank God. But there's some people that are just like, man, not my style, not my thing, not my cloud, not my presence, not my tribe. All right, we'll find one of the other 849 churches in this county or in the coastal bend that are. Find your tribe, find your home, and become a diffuser. Do it to the person next to you. Do it to the people around you. Open up your home, do the worship nights, have fellowship, break bread, have coffee, do things together. And find somebody that doesn't know Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've taken my kids to the beach and right up next to me pulls up a train wreck. (laughs) Dry bones, here they come. And somebody says, man, another dry bones? How many dry bones? God, dry bones everywhere. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The great news is I don't even have to, it's not about how I feel. It's not about if I'm in the moment or not. It's not about if I'm inspired or not. I'm not saying it anyway. Just say what God tells you to say and get the word inside of you and become diffusers, confident and bold. God will bring a sphere of influence into your life. Focus on the sphere of influence around you. And be faithful with what he's put in your hand. We are a breath of life church and you are a breath of life people. People are choking to death. Let's resurrect them back to life with the breath of life. You're never hopeless. You're never cut off, ever. If If you're alive, God's got something great for you. And you may be living under the bridge. It doesn't matter where it is. I believe God put you in Corpus Christi for a reason. Stop complaining. Oh, I can give you a hundred things to complain about right now. We'll just start with jobs. We'll just start with the economy. We'll just, let's go to crime. But you know what? It's going to change. This is going to be a fruitful place. It's going to be a city alive. That's what Corpus Christi is going to be. That's what I see now. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. I might rather live in other places like the Florida Keys, Hawaii, Fiji. I don't know. I'd probably be pretty happy for about a whole 10 minutes. If you're not where God's called you to be, you'll never be happy. And don't think your money and your success is going to do it. It can help. Money answers all things. But you got to get the main thing, the main thing. And if I have my way, I'm gonna, you're going to have healthy marriages, healthy children, a healthy community, a vibrant place to raise your kids. And you're going to have a lot of the move of the Spirit. It's going to be powerful. You're going to be a prophetic people. Tell them, make me a prophetic person, God. So just close your eyes for me and pray for you. Just keep the life. You go and pray for everybody watching online. Thank you guys. Thank you to everybody for tuning in and watching. Wherever you live, I've been talking a lot about Corpus Christi and Rock City Church. But wherever God puts you, he calls you to pray for that city and he calls you to be the fruit of that city. Some of you may relocate here or elsewhere. Just be spirit-led wherever God tells you to go. Wind-driven, breath-driven, spirit-led. Get the breath of life.
Don't be sidetracked by what you see on outward appearances. Let's put our faith to work. God, I just thank you so much for this church. But even more, I thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for always showing up in worship and in the atmosphere of this house, for touching our lives. And I pray, God, that that would be everywhere we go, especially in our homes. I pray for your home. I pray for your apartment, wherever it is you live. My prayer is that your home would be a sanctuary, no matter how messed up it is. No matter how messed up it is in the natural. If you're watching online, just close your eyes for a minute. Everybody here, just close your eyes for a moment. Lord, I speak the breath of life. I speak to the spirit. I speak to the wind. And I prophesy life to you. I pray you'd be filled with the spirit to overflowing every day and all the days of your life. I pray that you get new vision. Just put your hands on your eyes for a moment. Lord, I just thank you for new eyesight. Help us to see what you see. And when we get knowledge about things, help us to say what you say. Help us to edify, not tear down. Never let us get puffed up. Never let us think of ourselves more than we ought to. Lord, every hidden thing that you reveal to us, help us to process it the way you do. And don't let us see things you don't want us to see. We only want to see what you see. That would be a good prayer for you to pray right now. I only want to see what you want me to see, God. Nothing more and nothing less. Lord, I pray for the hurting, the outcast, the broken. If you felt cut cut off and destitute today, you're not. You're not. Period. You're never hopeless without the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, you need to give it all to him right now. Right in your seat, wherever you're at watching online, just give it to him. Just tell him, Lord, I surrender all. I give it all to you. Come into my life. Fill my life. Have mercy on my life. You need this strength, folks. You need him. Come on, beloved. You can't stay the same. You can't stay the same. God's not going to let you. Say yes. Say yes. See the way he sees. There's always an answer. There's always an answer. You're not too far gone. You're not too old. You're not too young. And you're not alone.
I'd like to have all my prayer partners come up right now. Just my prayer partners start making your way up to the front. Team leaders, elders. this message ministered to you or you're hurting, struggling, have a family member that's struggling or you've been sick, whatever it is, I want you to come up for prayer. If this message resonated with your life and you've been feeling hopeless and cut off and you need the breath of life, you've been angry, apathetic, if the things of this world and even the things of God have been just like hard for you, come up and let somebody pray for you. Got a loved one, that needs prayer, come up and let somebody pray for you. If anybody needs prayer today, the altar is open. Jesus, I thank you for this church. And I thank you, God, for uh, just coming after us everywhere we go, giving us the breath of life and helping us to give it away. In Jesus' name, amen.